This is Cindy Wallace-Lage, and you're listening to the Water Values Podcast. The Water Values Podcast is sponsored by the following market-leading companies and organizations. By Mentor APM, intelligent asset management software built for water. By Woodard & Curran, high-quality consulting engineering, science, and operations services. By Intera, innovation and stewardship for a sustainable tomorrow. By Xylem, let's solve water. By the American Water Works Association, dedicated to the world's most important resource. By Black & Veatch, building a world of difference. And by Trinix, trust in what's next. This is session 227. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resources, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Dave McGimsey. Hello, welcome to 2023, and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As my daughter Sarah said, my name is Dave McGimsey, and thanks so much for joining me. Well, Happy New Year to all. I hope everyone had a great holiday and a safe New Year celebration. Our inaugural 2023 podcast offering welcomes Adele Hajkhalil back to the podcast. And like his last visit, he crushes this interview and provides a backdrop on every, everything from the regional drought emergency recently announced by the Metropolitan Water District of Southern California to sharing his vision for where Metropolitan is headed. Stay tuned. We've got a good one for you. Well, as you know, we always thank our awesome sponsors at the top of the show. Those sponsors for 2023 include Mentor APM, Woodard & Curran, Intera, Xylem, the American Waterworks Association, Black & Veatch, and Trinix. What a terrific collection of impactful companies that have decided to support water industry thought leadership and education. Thank you all. I'd love for you to do me a favor. If you work for or with any of these sponsors, please thank your boss or thank your contact at the sponsor firm and tell them that you appreciate their leadership in the industry through the sponsorship. That simple note of thanks will go a long way. So thank you so much. And as long as you're letting the sponsors know how much you appreciate their support of water industry, education, and thought leadership, why not leave a rating interview on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, CastBox, or whatever other podcast directory you're accessing the podcast on. That'd be greatly appreciated and, of course, helps others find out about the podcast. And, of course, please don't forget the all-important subscription to the podcast. Yes, please subscribe to the podcast. It's greatly appreciated. Well, before we head on to the interview with Adele, let's get to our Bluefield on Tap segment with Bluefield Research's Reese Tisdale and his top five water issues to look out for in 2023. So take it away, guys. Reese, welcome back for another Bluefield on Tap. Happy New Year. How's it going? Uh, things are good. Things are good. I think uh, shout out to uh, all the sponsors for uh, for the new year, but also uh, to our families, given that it's a Sunday morning and we're sitting here doing a <laughs> podcast. Yeah, the, the holidays get complicated for scheduling, so we uh doing this a little in advance of when it's actually going to be released. But you're right. Shout out to the sponsors. Thanks to all uh, our 2023 sponsors, but let's get into the meat of the Bluefield on Tap segment today. What what should we be looking out for in 2023? So, you know, as we were talking about uh, what's happening, one, obviously, it's transition new year. I thought I'd throw together five things to look out for uh, in 2023. So let's do it. All right. What are so the five things? 
All right, let's do it. It's sort of like Dave Letterman. Should we start at the uh, <laughs> Should we start at the end, or should we start at the beginning? Let's Let's count down. Let's count down. That way, we kind of build suspense. Okay, I wish I had thought of that when I put my list together, but um, we're flying, you know, shooting from the hip here. So, all right. So number five, counting down, reservoirs are running dry. So what's next? Um, look, obviously in June 2022, the U.S. Bureau of Reclamation issued an emergency request for cutbacks of two to four million acre feet in the Colorado Basin among those states. And guess what? They haven't done anything yet. That was June. So uh, we seem to have let another year get past us. And that's something to look forward to going forward this coming year because it's not a good situation. Uh, the triggers are being pulled. The next one is going to be power cutbacks, uh, maybe more significantly. The next thereafter are going to be farmers selling water to cities and municipalities potentially. Um, but if someone would make a political decision here, unfortunately, someone's just going to have to uh, make someone do what they don't want to do, and that is uh, reduce the water consumption. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's go on to number four. Next one, uh, at the highest levels of government, the Clean Water Act is being called into question. Everybody seems to have forgotten about this, but there's a big Supreme Court ruling that is being disputed or being uh going to be ruled on about the waters of the U.S. and what that means for the Clean Water Act and really ultimately who has the authority. That's something to look forward to is will it be the EPA or will Supreme Court push everything towards Congress and will Congress therefore have more control over environmental policy, including water, wastewater uh, by the middle of the year? We'll see. That should we'll know more in around June, I suspect. Yeah, that's a big one. All right. Uh, no, yeah. All right. Number three, um, clean energy. We've talked a little bit about this, but how fast will the water sector adapt to the changing energy and power sector demands? Obviously, there's a lot happening. The Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, we've got a huge rollout of solar and wind. But then just this past week, we actually, uh, or was it two weeks ago now, uh, fusion hit the hit yeah. the radar again. So, with that being said, there's a lot of focus on the energy sector, and uh, with that comes water management, not only across the supply chain, but also what are water utilities going to do? Are they going to start deploy, deploying solar and other technologies, but also will they be a key supplier to things like green hydrogen? That'll take time to roll out, but you got there's no time to think about it like now. So as we yeah. head into 2023. Yeah, well, I, I agree with you. Like I, I think there are a number of municipal utilities that are very interested in how direct pay is going to work for implementing clean energy solutions. Uh, we've already fielded questions where, you know, treasury has issued a little bit of guidance, but we still don't have the guidance we need. And it's, uh, it's going to, I think that is, you hit the nail on the head on that one. That's absolutely going to be a big, big issue coming up. All right. I wish I had a drum roll to bring us to All number right, two. So, all right. We're down to number two. So, um, Given the state of the world, will U.S. companies take advantage of the strong dollar? So are we going to see more M&A, not just in the U.S., but U.S. companies looking abroad, whether it be in the U.K., in Europe, or rest of the world? Uh, it's it's a good time. The market still remains strong, um, despite maybe Friday's news. But, hey, it's a little bit up and down. And uh, But strong U.S. dollar and demand for water management service solutions, hardware and equipment make international markets a potentially uh, good prospect yeah how do high interest rates factor into that 
Well, cost them, I mean, a lot of these companies are still well capitalized, even, you know, so whether they're borrowing money or not, I mean, it will play into it. So there's a bit of an offset. But if high interest rates are also or cost of capital is more expensive in places like Europe as well, they've got high energy prices, a lot of other geopolitical pressures, they may be willing to uh, step back and let, uh, you know, someone with uh, the dollar play a big role. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. All right. All right, big so, drum roll yeah. for number one here. All right, here we go. But you know, it's probably not not a not a secret. But I guess will the U.S. Federal Reserve deliver a soft landing for the water sector? Um, and the reason we talk a lot about that uh, at Bluefield is that you know, let's start with housing starts. Housing starts are now really starting to soften back to interest rates, mortgage rates. Um, will that slow things down? And as a result. You know, if you're into uh, pipe networks, let's start with that. I mean, 30% of CapEx for distribution and pipe uh, networks is really from new build. So, um, you know, if you're in that market, something to look for. But there are broader implications for that. Will people start dialing back? Um, will there be layoffs? Will there be less people in urban centers, whether it be San Francisco, New York, Philadelphia, Boston? there's a lot of disruption happening that quite honestly, it's something to look forward to in 2023. The impacts may not be felt as we've seen historically till 2024, 2025, um, because that's the way the water sector works. Yeah. Well, great list, Reese. I, uh, I imagine we are going to be hitting on these issues you've identified and many more in the coming 12 months. Uh, but really appreciate your insights and you letting us know kind of what they'll be lo- on the lookout for kind of priming the pump, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, who would have thought we'd almost be to 2023? So, yeah. and, uh, and mercifully, the NFL season is almost over for the Indianapolis Colts after blowing uh, <laughs> after blowing a 33 nothing halftime lead. I didn't get to bring that up before we even got on, but uh, no, that's that's pretty tough. Yeah, that's uh, all right. Well, Reese, I hope you have a great 2023. Thanks so much for sharing your insights and perspectives on Bluefield on Tap, and we'll talk to you next month. All right, Dave, take it easy. You too. Bye. As always, great information from Bluefield Research and Reese Tisdale. Without further ado, let's get to Adele Hajkhalil, the CEO and general manager of the Metropolitan Water District of Southern California. So let's get that water flowing. Well, Adele, welcome to the Water Values Podcast. Happy New Year. It's great to have you back on. How are you? Good. Thank you. Happy New Year to you and to your listeners. All right. Well, thanks so much. Uh, you know, it's been a few years since you've been on the podcast. So if you could please tell us how your life has changed since uh, you were back on in early 2019. Yeah, <laughs> all our lives have changed since 2019. I think uh, we all have gone through COVID and the impacts of COVID. And um, and it's COVID is an example of, of this, uh, all of us being resilient to responding to the future and my life has changed uh you know uh i've changed jobs i've taken on uh a a very critical job which i became the general manager and the ceo of metropolitan water district uh of southern california the largest uh, uh water wholesaler in the country uh we serve uh over 20 million people um uh, six counties, 5,200 square miles. 
So all these people depend on me now in leading the way to create safe, resilient water future for everyone. And, you know, uh, I come into a place that uh, has a lot of challenges. Uh, the least of them <laughs> or, uh, is the politics around the region and i wanted to bring everybody together but the most critical is the drought and we're facing the worst drought ever and uh and i'm leading the way and bringing people together to help prepare us for next 100 years uh in providing resilient safe uh, water future for everyone with no one left behind so it has been a huge change uh but also a rewarding change yeah, and they could not have picked a better person to, to lead Metropolitan with your inclusive style and uh, knowledge of the industry. So I, I applaud you for that. And uh, you you mentioned the the drought. Metropolitan recently recently declared a regional drought emergency. Can you kind of fill us in on what exactly that means? Yeah, so uh, in Metropolitan, uh, we have... Uh, two sources of water. Uh, one comes from uh, northern part of the state in the Sierras through the uh, the uh, Delta uh, in northern California. And part of the water comes in from the Colorado River uh, that uh, Metropolitan was actually created back in 1928 to build the Colorado River aqueduct to bring water from Lake Mead all the way down to our region here. Uh, and, and, and really... People from Southern California have done a great job uh, diversifying their water, conserving uh, and building water, local water supply. And Metropolitan has invested a huge amount of money in rebates uh, for folks to convert uh, their, uh, uh, you know, uh, fixtures in the house to more efficient, uh, replace turf uh, with native plants. Uh, we've uh, provided local region, local agencies what we call uh, local resource program funding to help them create their own local water supply, whether it's, it's brackish water desal, whether it's uh, uh, recycled water like in Orange County and other places. Uh, and and we were able to actually conserve, uh, and the water we're using today here is the same water we, we were using 40 years ago with millions of people uh, living here. Uh, however, uh, even with this great work that we have done, we have faced a huge uh, shortage of water supply because of climate change. And climate change basically changed and upended everything we knew about water management, where we relied on the snowpack as a storage, and uh, the snow is not there for us. And because of the the hotter and drier conditions that we're seeing, so uh, so we started last year, uh, in, in December last year, uh, we had a, a good snowpack in the Sierras. Uh, and uh, this is the third year, this is the fourth year of a drought on the Sierras for us. And we had a very low allocation of water from the state uh, water project that brings water from Northern California. And, and really the snowpack is no longer reliable. We're not seeing, uh, it's, it's evaporating. So the example I was going to give is December, the snowpack had about 146% of normal. Uh, and then you forward to January, February, March of last year. In April, we're down to 46% of normal. 
uh, and the amount of runoff is not making it to the to the to the reservoirs and the rivers, just evaporating or soaking in the dry soil. So we have faced three years of a drought, uh, and we tapped into our reservoirs. And part of our region, uh, about six million people in the western part of metropolitan around LA, Las Virgenes, Cayugas, the Malibu area, uh, are dependent on that system and. We could not, we didn't have enough storage that would last. We've tapped into it and we were concerned of not having enough water for them uh, for the remaining of last year. So the board took action in, in April to do the first emergency action. And then as of January, we asked our member agencies in that area to uh, uh, enact an emergency and limit their usage and cut their usage by close to 35%. So we can stretch the water. Uh, and we gave them options, whether it's uh, one day of watering the lawn or an allocation. Some of them used one of the options. But the good news, they did a good job. And now what we saw with the declaration on the uh, Colorado River water, a the first uh, you know declaration from the Bureau of Reclamation on, a, on emergency drought conditions, it's the lowest levels in Lake Mead that we've seen in Lake Powell. And as you heard, the secretary back in August of the Bureau of Reclamation, the commissioner from Bureau of Reclamation, talked about a need of cut of two to four million acre feet of water in use uh, on on the Colorado River, and that really is impact to California. So what we are seeing is is a a diminishing uh, water supply, and what we wanted to do is give our member agencies a heads up and to be ready to activate their uh, shortage contingency plan and start continue the efforts of conservation because we don't want to get into, into a place in the summer where we're overusing water. So we want to start early. So the board uh, last week um, in December uh, uh, basically took action to uh, reaffirm the previous uh, emergency drought and expanded to include the rest of the service area. So now we have an emergency declaration on the entire service area receiving water from the Colorado River and from uh, the state water project, basically the entire service area. Uh, and we're asking every member agency to activate the shortage contingency plan. And we're asking every resident, every business to find a way to cut their consumption and, and to help us such the amount of water we have available uh, so we can, so because every drop we can save uh, and conserve is a drop we can save and store for the future. Great. I love the proactive approach, Adele. That's, that's Thank a, you. Yeah. a wise, wise move. Um, so I, let me ask you this looking forward. How do you, how, how do you view the actions you're taking? Are you, are you hopeful for the fu- water future of, of the agency? I mean, what, what are your thoughts there? Yeah. I mean, to me, it's, uh, I talk about, uh, you know, what made Southern California great is the three aqueducts that were built to bring water here. Uh, the first was the Mulholland built the LA Aqueduct. Uh, the second was the Colorado River Aqueduct. And the third was the state water project, which is the California Aqueduct. I talk about our responsibility. This is a second Mulholland moment. What, what, this has served us well for the last 100 years. And, uh, and we're approaching a 100-year anniversary of the Colorado River aqueduct. 
But I think for us to really continue to sustain ourselves for the next 100 years, we need a shift in water management. We need a new playbooks, need new ideas that is adapting to the changing climate. And that's, first of all, what we need to do is, is, is reduce our consumption. Uh, so we're doing everything that we can to, uh, one is to use smart data. Uh, so example of what we're doing is, is we have a rebate. Uh, everybody can go to bewaterwise.com and get a rebate, whether it's replacing their turf or replacing their toilet or whatever they need to do. But the new thing that we added is a smart meter that you can attach to your water meter outside your house and, and there's no plumbing needed. What that does, it attracts your water use. It uh, helps you manage your water budget uh, on your, on your uh, smartphone. And we're asking everyone to go in and, and, and get that uh, 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 meter uh, and, and help us help everyone manage the consumption so because you know it, it tells you when you have a leak it tells you when, when you're overusing tells you the pattern that you're using it helps provide data so that's one way we're looking at it the second one is actually we're, we're mapping the area where we call non-functional turf that's an area that the board has really pushed on which is uh, a grass that's being put in just for the purposes of decorative purposes so if you're not walking on it you don't have anybody Walking on it, not, nobody's using it except when people are mowing that lawn. That should not be there. So we need to change that. And we are mapping the entire service area to come up with these locations. And um, you know, and we see that as a as a very quick uh, effort to reduce demand. And we we hopefully we're going to get some funding from the bureau of reclamation uh, to help with the Colorado River consumption. It's like following uh, land. It's the same thing. You're following your, your grass. And we are working hard to to do that, and that's going to help us. But the bottom line, besides reducing our consumption, because we can't conserve our way of the future, what we need to do is continue our practices of conservation, do more. But at the same time, what we need to do is invest in the future, which is uh, creating new local water supplies. Uh, what we need is uh, recycle every drop we can. And that's why I'm pushing... Uh, since I've been here, uh, the acceleration of pure water selling California, a, the largest recycled water project in the world. Uh, it's 150 million gallons a day recycled water uh, treatment to create pure water that we can uh, uh, distribute in the system, recharge our aquifers, and, and create uh, water for close to half a million uh, residents, uh, actually half a million households, about 1.5 million residents. Uh, at the same time, we're also looking for ideas of local water supply, whether it's uh, brackish water treatment, uh, groundwater remediation. But also the biggest thing that we need to be prepared for is uh, with the climate change, what we're going to see is new patterns of rain and runoff. And, and what we need to be ready is to harness the rain and harness uh, the heavy, intense, short-duration rain so we can move it down the system whether it's from the uh, you know Sacramento River and the, the Delta, all the way from the Colorado River, whatever we need to do is we need to figure out a way how we can move water around the system, whether it's local water supply and stormwater capture that I help in LA move forward. We need to be able to capture water as much as we can and store it, whether it's in reservoirs, above ground, up and down the state, or in underground basins. Uh, we are partnering with folks 
up and down the state of California to store water, whether it's in Kern County, Antelope Valley, and also locally here, we have capacity in our groundwater basins to store water. And we need to be able to have the agreements to move water when we have it and put it quickly in the ground. So when we uh, have these drought conditions, we can tap into that resource. And that's basically start here of managing your finances and that's what we're trying to do and uh, so we're excited about the opportunity to create a one water future here and a holistic uh, future and i say also we need to ensure also affordability is at the heart of what we're doing so we can't leave anyone behind so we're working really hard to ensure is who pays for it and, and how we ensure that uh, disadvantaged communities are not carrying the load of this that we are all you know incentivizing consumption uh, conservation uh, while ensuring fairness and equity across the board. Sounds like an awesome vision for the future. Uh, yeah, 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 it's great. Yeah. So, so let me ask you this: you you mentioned politics was a challenge at the outset of this, and you've got, and you also mentioned that you're you're covering a an enormous service territory uh, with a lot of different constituents. Uh, is everyone kind of rowing, you know, rowing? in concert here or are you on the water on the water conservation issue i would think that that folks understand the gravity of the problem and they're all pulling the same oar yeah you you, you said it that uh, you know I, i'm all about uh, bringing people together and that's I, my success over my career is about bringing uh, folks uh, at different levels people that probably didn't see eye to eye on the issues to bring them together and i came into a a board that was divided at the time and i worked really hard to uh even over my selection they were divided <laughs> so I, I i wanted to really reach out and build this trust build this relationship but the only way for us to really work uh and and meet the challenges of the future is to work together so i started with this campaign uh is that we are one and i i built on it in every way i can reaching out to every uh, member agency to the to the staff to the board members to understand uh, their their views and to share a vision that I think we all have embraced embraced a vision of you know uh, conservation but also a vision of uh, financial resiliency water resiliency uh, creating new water and and ensuring that everybody's resilient with no one left behind and to me is uh, is I'm very proud that I was able to really bring the board together. We conducted a, a retreat of the board last year, uh, and we're doing one in February to really help establish the framework for the future because our job, the job of the board at Metropolitan, is the same. We're at the same responsibility. I call it the Mulholland moment, second Mulholland moment, because I think this board has a chance to really provide the same level of, uh, of of change and transformation that uh, Mulholland brought when they brought in the water from imported water. And now what we have together is how we're preserving and that water, but also how we create new sources of water uh, that's new. And that's what I call about the, I call it that we need to build the fourth aqueduct, which is a virtual aqueduct that includes conservation, recycled water, stormwater caption, storage, conveyance. We need to be able to create a system that is smart uh, system uh, that's adapting to changing climate and allowing us to 
to do what we need to do to ensure that that when people turn to faucet, they they'll have water, and ensure that affordability is at the heart of it. So it's just uh, it's great that I have the support of the board now, and 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 I think the coalition of everyone together around uh, my business plan, my vision, and we're going to continue working together. But uh, you know, I, I think I, I came in and I was able to bring everyone together to help uh, the region, to help us and help uh, the 20 million people that we, we serve um, uh, be optimistic about the future. We we have to do some tough decisions in the, in the near future, but I think the long term, I think with the investments that we're going to make, uh, I think we can be ready. Uh, but at the same time, I, I always say uh, we shouldn't waste any drop of water. Every drop is so valuable that we should conserve it and, and save it and, and store it when we have it. And then so we can uh, use it when we need it uh, during drought conditions. Yeah, I, I love the phraseology you've used, the virtual aqueduct, the second Mulholland moment. I mean, it's just, uh, it, it's great to see. Uh, when we when we started this, we kind of jumped right into the drought. And, I, and one of the things I'd love to cover is you've been at the helm of Metropolitan for about 18 months, give or take. Uh, what's What's been the biggest surprise since you took over? The biggest uh, surprise for me is the severity of the drought. Uh, I I did not uh, expect uh, that we will uh, face that much of a severe drought. I mean, I think I was expecting uh, the state water project to be in bad condition, but quickly uh, the, the Colorado River uh, was in a bad shape, and and that was a huge surprise for me. The biggest surprise also is the great people we have in Metropolitan working. Um, I knew how great they are, but uh, I did not know how amazing they are, and and how smart and how you know we have one of some of the best smartest people in the world, and and I'm I'm so proud that they were able to all stand with me and uh, give me the support. The other one is also. Uh, how quickly I was able to bring the board together. Uh, and, and and that was, for me, is a big surprise. And being able to get support from the federal government and the state government, I was able to, to do that. Uh, but but the, the conditions uh, was, was, uh, uh, was a surprise. And, 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 you know, I came to also a place that had some um, – Work issues, uh, work-related, uh, you know, harassment, retaliation, employee concern issues that I had to come in. Uh, we were in the middle of state audit. Uh, the first day I came in, a state came in with an audit, and we had a, uh, in, you know, uh, a investigation about conditions of uh, EO matters and issues, complaints. Um, uh, so the, the health of the organization, there were some issues there, and and I had to step in and really. Uh, uh, transform the place back to a place where everybody is respected. Uh, there's a culture of respect and value, and and uh, diver- you know we opened. I created the first uh, inaugural office for diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I hired the chief diversity, equity, and inclusion officer. I independently created the office, uh, an office for EEO that's uh, run by a, a newly hired chief EEO officer, and I was able to create that reporting to my office. And also, I was I created a uh, office of uh, sustainability, resiliency, and innovation office, uh, and we created chief officer 
important to me. So those are areas that I really stepped really, uh, you know, I, I, I was surprised they, they were there, but I was able to quickly use that and adapt to it. And, uh, and I feel very comfortable and confident that, that uh, we have really moved towards a place that is dealing with a huge issues when it comes to resiliency, when it comes to water, addressing climate change and adapting climate change. But do it in a way where we're uplifting staff and communities and, and making sure everyone, every staff belongs and no one is left behind from the staff, but also no one left behind from the community. So you know, I was surprised how, how deeply divided uh, some of the issues uh, and how deeply rooted some of the issues were. But I had to come in quickly. And over the 18 months, I think I've, I've done uh, hopefully a good enough job to bring people back together and give the employees confidence in, in, in management and uh, and the future uh, as we also I'm confident that hopefully we've uh, helped our residents our member agencies and everyone feel comfortable and confident in metropolitan's leadership uh, in leading the way for the future great well thanks thanks Adele. uh you've you've talked a lot about and I, I think this has been peppered in throughout I, I'd love to get a sense of the current priorities for metropolitan I mean you've you've talked about enhancing resilience in the, the drought, but are there any you know priorities beyond what you've already discussed that you'd like to, uh, so, so I'll, I'll tell you about the five, uh, uh, principles that we've adopted in my business plan. Um, and hopefully I can, you know, it's uh, the first one is empower and it's empowering the staff, empowering the employees and the district, right? This is for me is basic stuff is, you know, your most important asset are the people working for you. So I want to empower the staff, empower people. Uh, uh, sustain. Uh, I want to make sure that we're also, as an agency, we are uh, sustaining to the future, having the financial resiliency, financial abilities to do it while we're addressing affordability. Um, we have to adapt, uh, adapt to the changing climate, adapt to the conditions of the drought, and, and, and building what we need to do. Um, and then protect protect our public health and safety, protect our water quality. And the last one is uh, partner. And this is, for me, is so critical across the board. What makes us great is the ability to partner. So I went up and down the state working with the tribes, working with our uh, NGOs, environment NGOs, working with the member agencies, creating a a pathway to ensure that we're all talking, uh, working with the seven states and the country of Mexico. I just came in last week from a meeting in the Colorado River Water Uses Association, uh, talking to folks about how we can really collaborate and, and ensure that we're all working on this cut together. We're not just leaving each one of us alone. So these five uh, pillars, what I call the empower, um, sustain, adapt, uh, protect and uh, partner are for me are the, the basic uh, uh, priorities for me. And especially the biggest thing is the health of the organization and the employee. But the last thing is addressing and responding to the drought, ensuring that everybody has resilient, safe uh, drink and water uh, for everyone with no one left behind. Right. That is, that's, that's an awesome, uh, awesome way to, to, align your priorities uh, from an organizational perspective. Um, so, you know, Adele, we're, you've, you've been very generous with your time. Thank you so much. 
What what have I not asked that you think is important to to get across to the uh, listeners? So so to me, it's it takes it takes partnership, right? So so uh, as you know, it's a public private partnership. It's public public partnership. Uh, it's, it's it's a P three that I talk about, but it's it's a P three that has public public partnership, but also public private. So we're working through a partnership with our member agencies, with the state. I'm so proud of of what the governor put together back in August. It's a water supply action plan that that really is a result of our dialogue uh, with the member agencies and with the agencies across the state and with the governor himself. When I we when we talk about expediting our pure water recycled water project, the first thing I ask my team is the chief engineer is like, what would what is, what's needed? He said. We don't have the regulation to allow us to use progressive design build. So I went right away to the state, introduced a bill, and within less than a year, we're able to get a, a bill introduced, uh, approved by the by the assembly and the senate, and the legislature, and then goes to the governor. And the governor signed it. It's going to go into effect in January to give us the tool to expedite delivery. When we ask for money to jumpstart some of these projects, the state earmarked money for Metropolitan for the first time ever to help us put money in the table to expedite. So I have a, I have an earmark of 150 million, 130 million dollars to to earmark a delivery of what needs to be done uh, and and to expedite it uh, and for the first time to get some money. Uh in the federal government we worked hard to put money for large recycled water projects in the uh in the uh, bipartisan infrastructure bill. Working on the inflation reduction act we're able to put there's a 4 billion dollar that was introduced to help deal with the Colorado River, but that says on that one is, is includes urban communities. So to me, yeah, we have done a lot, but more needs to be done, and we can't do it alone. It has to be done by all of us working together, federal, state, government. Uh, we all have to collaborate, and, and we need to, you know, what, what, what I'm trying to get people to see, investments in Southern California here, uh, is an investment in the entire state of California, entire Southwest, because we, we're the linchpin. Uh, we have water from Northern California. We have water from the Colorado River. And if we conserve water here and we recycle water by in our system and store water when we have heavy rains, that means our demand on the Delta, our demand on the Colorado River is less. So we can back and store water to serve other communities, to put it in storage and help you know, bring the level up in Lake Mead, as we've done in the past. So to me, I want people to see Southern California metropolitan as not just for Southern California. We're here to really help the entire state of California, but the entire Southwest and the country of Mexico by our actions here. And investments that are made here should not be purely investments made by the, by the residents and the businesses in Southern California. It should be investments made by folks like Arizona, Nevada, and other states, Wyoming. And people are going to say, why is Wyoming going to invest in, in Southern California? Because it's going to help, you know, Lake Powell and Lake Mead and the system keep water in, in the Colorado River. Right now, I don't know how many people know that we have a partnership with Arizona and Nevada on our pure water, recycle water project here. That's a big deal to have that partnership because they see it as an investment here saves and benefits the entire uh, region as a whole. And so, uh, so I, I want people to start opening their minds and, and take this I hat off 
and put the we hat on. Because, you know, I want people to see the watershed as a watershed, not as just one community. And the only one for us to address this future, the future of this climate change, the future of, of drought, is to work together in collaboration. And we just recently uh, uh, were partners with, um, uh, you know, uh, Nevada and, and uh, Las Vegas and Denver and others to sign an MOU on all of us adapting practices of conservation and water management. And people are signing. We have 30 agencies that have signed, urban agencies, but people are signing on every single day that we're saying everybody on the Colorado River is willing to step up and, and, and commit to a, a condition of, of water, effective water management and reduction of our usage and using best practices because all of us are in this together. And our commitment is, and my commitment, Matt's commitment is to work with everyone to ensure that we're doing it together and no one is left behind. Right. That sounds like a pretty powerful leave behind message. Do you want to have a separate leave behind message? Just, just my, my thing is, uh, I think this is strong enough, but uh, just want to say is uh, we're here together. Uh, we've invested. Uh, we're facing the worst conditions ever, but usually unprecedented conditions need unprecedented and encouraged courageous decisions and courageous actions. And I'm proud that we're able to come together and do these things together. And I'm optimistic in the future because I believe in the people of metropolitan the people in Southern California and the people in the Southwest Southwest is always known for being a pioneer. Um, and, and we want to do the right thing to help us all come together and, and create a future that adapting to the changing climate and ensuring water for everyone for us to continue to grow and prosper. Right. Well, thank you so much, Adele. It was wonderful speaking with you. It's always, always great to, to chat. Uh, for those who want to find out more about you and your work with Metropolitan, where can they go to find that information? I would, I would want to refer them to uh, our website uh, in Metropolitan, but, but the best one, I would say, go to bewaterwise.com, bewaterwise.com. Learn about practices for conservation. It uh, doesn't matter where you are in the world. Uh, we all have to save water. Every drop we save anywhere it's a drop that we can all benefit from for future and let's not waste any drop of water. So, uh, you know, I, I really proud of the efforts and the partnerships on, uh, imagine a day without water and none of us want to do that. And you can learn a lot about that program, but for metropolitan come to our website, but also go to bewaterwise.com. If you live in our region, take advantage of the rebates that we have. Right. Well, thanks so much, Adele. It was great speaking with you and take care and happy new year. Happy New Year to you and to your listeners. Thank you very much, Dave. Thank you. Adele is just so inspiring. Much thanks and appreciation for coming on again, Adele. Thank you so much, especially when you're in the midst of a regional drought emergency and running the largest water wholesaler in the U.S. You've got a lot of demands on your time, and we just so greatly appreciate you spending uh, some time with us to explain the issues going on uh, in Southern California because those are going to trickle out as as Adele succinctly put it to to the the rest of the basin it's it's more put on our we hat not our me hat well i'd love to know what you the listener thought about the interview with adele please check out the show notes page for information and links on this episode just google the water values podcast and click the first link that comes up that's our home on the web again bluefield research and the water values are not affiliates we just have a joint marketing arrangement as part of that we get a home on the web 
If you still use Twitter, you can tweet about the podcast using the hashtag water values, and you can tweet at me using my handle at DTM1993. You can email me at david.mcgimsey at dentons.com, and you can sign up for the newsletter at that landing page I mentioned earlier as well. Well, thank you again for tuning in, and I hope you make it a great day and a great year. Plus, I want to give a huge thank you again to our sponsors for 2023. Those sponsors include Mentor APM, Woodard & Curran, Intera, Xylem, the American Waterworks Association, Black & Veatch, and Trinix. This show would not be possible without those great companies and industry leaders. And again, thank you for listening and for subscribing to the Water Values Podcast. I truly appreciate it, and I hope you all have a great 2023. In closing, please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values Podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource, so please join me by going out into the world and acting like it. listening to the Water Values Podcast. Thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me. Well, thank you for tuning in to the disclaimer. I'm a lawyer licensed in Indiana and Colorado, and nothing in this podcast should be taken as providing legal advice or as establishing an attorney-client relationship with you or with anyone else. Additionally, nothing in this podcast should be considered a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer that finds water issues interesting and that believes greater public education is needed about water issues. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water.